second. I want to know more about, you know, how do you deal with customers and how do you, uh, you got to deal with restylers sometimes, right? They're really tough. I think do the right thing for the customer and it's been always a motto. And we have a lifetime warranty. I think that makes it really easy. And my team also here knows we love our customers. We take care of them. Welcome to the Ride and Style Podcast, your turbocharged pit stop for automotive restyling. Buckle up with Jesse and Josh. Welcome to another episode of the Ride and Style Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse, with Josh. And today we're doing episode 16. Uh, we have Melanie White of Hellwig as our guest. Melanie, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, it's so fun to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's awesome to have Melanie in the house, finally. And I've been waiting Yay. for this one, Jesse. Uh, awesome. <laughs> funny stories, but more important, I mean, we're talking about one of the most influential people in our industry, especially right now. So love and to have it. So you got to listen to everything she says. She's pretty sharp. Sometimes I try to get, you know, a few questions there and stump her and haven't been able to do it so far. So maybe I have today's my day. <laughs> Uh, I have to today might be your day and when you're recording it exactly so. oh that I didn't even think about that I have it on <laughs> recording that I stumped her maybe we'll see we'll see we, we have yeah. to I like to start with how you guys met if you can remember either one of you uh, it might be different Melanie what what uh, I, I'm afraid to ask what's your first recollection it's a funny story from my vantage point but go ahead yeah, so I just, I feel like I've known you for so long. Like, I don't remember the first time we met. Like, we have been volunteering together for such a long time. Um, and since I've been on the SEMA board, somehow, Josh, you've been able to go to, like, so many different uh, SEMA board meetings. You know, when we were meeting, yeah. we went to Vegas. Uh, Hawaii. And that was a very memorable experience because that was also during, like, twenty. 20 in the summer when no one was getting together. And so um, that was a full interesting experience. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we were in Hawaii together right before the pandemic started. So yeah, like we um, have had some time together and have been volunteering for a long time. So um, I have some very memorable experiences um, with you uh -oh. once we got to know you more. Um, but what's your first all right, so where we first met. Now she made she she will remember once I start telling the story. We were in Los. Oh, we were in LA, Southern California, and it was at a SEMA volunteer. I think it was one of the very first times they actually flew in all the select committee. Okay, um, and and at that point you were still on a select committee somewhere. You weren't on the board yet, mm -hmm. and. So we're start introducing every everybody, you know, we're just it was a casual thing. Everybody was kind of hanging out shorts and everybody had drinks and hanging out and everything like that. And so um I introduced myself and we started talking. We were in a group of people and someone said, Wow, she's third generation. Do you remember this now? Your dad's yes. gonna listen to this and he's gonna well, kill you're, me. Yeah. Your dad's gonna kill me when he listens <laughs> to this because what happened, Jesse, yeah. was I said, Oh, third generation. Oh, you're the rescue. And she's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? I said, well, first generation starts a business. Second generation runs it into the ground. And then third generation saves the business. And then that became the joke. She's like, no, my dad didn't run it into the ground. My dad actually did really. I said, eh, I'm not really buying it. I'm just like, you know, because if, if your dad did really well, he would have just sold it. 
And she's like, no, that's not true. And we were just joking back, just bannering, giving her a hard time and everything like that. So, uh, I mean, awesome. As we go into it, you're going to find out Helwig is definitely not that way. It was just Josh being Josh. But now do you remember that? And now I remember it. When I don't, I remember that. But I remember, like, every conversation he's tried to have in front of my dad about him, like, his generation. <laughs> now he's going to listen to this podcast. He's going to be like, I want to know. Wait, now he knows what I'm looking like. I got to go like this the rest of the podcast. So yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, her dad's a big guy. He could take me out with one punch. So I got to be careful. Oh, for sure. I gotta yeah, easy. Oh, my God. One look. One look, yeah. And they look exactly alike. So... Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that, anyway, that's, but tell us how did, how did Hellwig get started officially? Yeah. So my great grandfather and grandfather started the business. So my great grandfather uh, and grandfather, both of them had the idea. So like back in 1944, they actually got the patent for a helper screen. So um, my grand. Great grandfather was from a family of spring builders um, back in like Kansas City. So they used to like completely replace springs. And they had this idea to like maybe they could just add a spring on top. And that was the business that my um, great grandfather and grandfather started out in Southern California. And what they would do, so they both had like full time jobs of like the, the entrepreneurial spirit, right? So they both, um, my grandfather actually was a senior in high school. He even had like an after-school job and then would go work at night with his dad, had a full-time job, and they would manufacture the product during the week. And then they would go sell it on the weekend. So they would sell for small shops. And then they'd also sell to like, uh, just if you had a sagging vehicle in your driveway, they'd go knock on your door because it's super obvious if you need Hellwig, right? It sags. Um, so they'd go knock on your door and they'd say, Hey, we can fix your problem. Um, and my grandpa, who was like 18, right? Like lays in the driveway, um, on his back, installs the product and they did this all for $7, $7, so, $7 like, a spring, everything. <laughs> so they sold so, it, installed it right on lot after knocking somebody's door for seven bucks. Yeah. That's yeah. a great deal. Yeah. Um, we don't have the same price point for distribution model. We've uh, we've upgraded a few things over here. Few. 1944. I mean, we're talking World War II still going on. Yeah. Yeah. And so we couldn't get steel in 44. So we had to wait until 46 to start the business. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So we, we turned 78. Wow. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, okay. So it, you... Get into Helper Springs. Was that a big problem back then for those cars? Yeah, so there were a lot of vehicles that were sagging, right? Um, so like, the funny thing is, like, people would re uh, get into like needing to repair their springs or like uh, increase their their load carrying capacity. One because they were carrying a lot of liquid back in the day, but this is also like NASCAR days. Like this isn't why Helwig started, yeah. right? But this is like why people would upgrade their springs at one point because so during Prohibition, super liquids really heavy, vehicles would sag, so um, they would like increase their level load carrying support, and they would be able to like you know. But they did a lot of other things, increase in capacity, all of that fun stuff. So. Um, so that's um, 
you know, people started to play with their springs then. Um, and during, in 1946, it was all passenger cars. So like passenger cars with everyone like camped out of towed with, like did everything, right? Like they hauled everything in passenger cars. It was like one um, easy product to sell. So it was like one product hit the whole market. Nice. So what, what, it's a little bit. so when did they actually go full time and say, Hey, okay, this is our business. We're going to start hiring employees and all that. Was that? Yeah. So it's been like a gradual progression, right? So I think that would probably have been like, it was fun. Uh, my grandpa's no longer with us, but um, before he had passed away, I got to like interview him and asked him some of those questions. Um, but like the conversation went more like, um, oh my gosh, this happened in the marketplace and we thought we were going to go on to business, right? This happened and we thought we were, right? So like um, over time, they like slowly added employees. Um, and like right now we're at like 50 employees. Um, but over time, you know, we've added um, more and more team members. Um, they started manufacturing in Southern California. They moved up to like Central California where we are now. And um, we got landlocked in the piece of property that we're on now, um, we've been able to like build on to. So you can see like in 1967, when we moved here, you can see that part of the building and then the other parts that come with it uh, every time we've expanded. But um, at that point, there were eight employees when we moved here in 67. Um, and seven of the eight actually moved with us. So they, um, when we started manufacturing here, they like brought trailers. So we're like on this piece of property that had like, um, pecan trees in the back. We still have some, um, of those trees, um, the ones we haven't pushed out because we expanded, um, but they would like come, they would like camp during the week. So like that first year, um, like as hell we was moving up here, they came up here like the teen would. They'd work during the week and then they'd go home to their families on the weekend and then they moved their families here later. So, That's cool. Kind I of mean, you guys have always been like very family oriented like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So how did you get started personally and, and why did you decide? Were you, did you have thoughts of not doing this business or other things? When did things? you save your dad? When did you? So we got when they come in and rescue him. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I actually, I was not planning on coming into the business. So I, um, I went to school. I thought I was going to, I have a degree in psychology. I thought I'd go further down that path. So I'd be either thinking about teaching or going into marriage and family therapy, both what meant more school. Um, and I managed a French gourmet bakery. So I did food service. Um, anyone that's done that is, uh, that's a, a lot of work. <laughs> Um, whenever I think I'm working hard, I remember those days, right? Um, and I'm like, well, oh, that's, that's a lot of work. Um, but I managed a bakery and I had a sales rep that would come in and like call on us. And I'm like, oh, I really want her job. Like, that's fun. Like she gets to come in and like help people and, um, show me new products and they're like, just be a partner. Right. And so I was like, that's what I want to do. Um, and that I was thinking I wanted to do that just for a short time. Um, and so I, as I was getting ready to go to more school um, and I came home that weekend, I lived uh, up in Northern California at the time. I came home that weekend and I was like, hey, dad, I think I want to do this. Like, and I just joked, I was like, does Helwick have anything like that? Mm -hmm. And he said, um, 
He said, it's funny you mentioned that. My sales manager this week said, don't you have a daughter that wants to get into this business? And so it was sort of just this like weird coincidence. And I started cold calling for Hellwig back um, then, which cold calling, oh man, it is brutal. I, I like, there were days where I just like drive home, just crying, <laughs> like the abuse I got that day. And um, it really forced me to like know my products really well, um, make sure I'm following up with people. Right. There's like very simple things that you have to do um, when you are in a sales position or really like in business in general. And I learned to do those in my cold calling days. Um, and it was nothing that I remember feeling very sorry for myself a lot. But at the same time, like nothing would have gotten me prepared like that to have thicker skin. Wow. That is crazy. I mean, what's harder, cold calling or the bakery? Ooh. I still probably would go cold calling because yeah. this industry is so fun, yeah. right? Like once you get into it and you know your stuff, it that's easy. Um, and I don't think cold calling would be that hard right now. It's just hard because I didn't know the space as yeah. well. So what are the different jobs that you've had then? So you, it sounds like you've worked a variety of different roles and you've learned the the business that well that way. Yeah. So I started um, cold calling and then I realized like how we needed help um, in uh, marketing. So it was a marketing role for a while. Um, and then I was, you know, in sales, um, in a sales manager position. Um, then I became a uh, vice president and then president, um, CEO. So I had, a, and all the time, um, I worked the position. So I was like marketing for a while. And I did that position while still having a sales account, um, title. So I'd work it and then I'd like ask for the title to go with it. And then I'd like do this other job, right? And then I'd ask for the title to go with it. My my hardest sell for the title was uh, CEO. <laughs> but I have it now. Yeah, you've got it now. And and oh. did you fire your dad or did he just kind of exit the business quietly? <laughs> no, so he's, um, he's taking more um, trips like fishing mm. and um, hunting, but he still comes in when he's in town. So it's really nice. Like he's still here and available to support um, mm -hmm. and I can still like pick his brain um, and he has the freedom to, you know, travel more too. Good. Uh, that's yeah. awesome. I was a little worried because she did change her name from, you know, she's not Hellwake, it's Melanie White. So I'm like, well, maybe she never wants to do anything with the business, but her dad roped her back in, took over, and yep. and you know what's been what's been some challenges for you guys over the. I mean, your dad didn't cause the pandemic, but you know what, what's, what's been some challenges for you guys? I mean, how how have you guys been doing with the pandemic, and is business back to usual or what? Yeah, I think that's a great question, but like business, uh, and that's what one of the things I remember. Uh, and why I wanted to try sales too is that um, in business, it's never, uh, you never are stale, right? You always have the market to respond to. Um, I remember reading the Wall Street Journal uh, and thinking like, oh my gosh, business is so fun. Like it is this constant like change. You have to be constantly changing and adapting or die. Um, and I thought that would be really fun. And then the last uh, four years have not been 
and it has really kicked our butts, right? Like, so the, um, the pandemic has been interesting, um, you know, like a lot of the, um, we're here in California. So like a lot of those uh, dynamics have been interesting too. Um, just like COVID policies and different things in that space. So, um, yeah, like there, there have been things that have definitely, um, that I, I remember just like a couple months ago going, why did I want to do this? So bad? like, cause it, not boring is true. And like, sometimes it's like really challenging. Um, but I think it's also been fun because of, you know, we're constantly having to adapt to like what our customers need. Um, and we have a motto around here, like to always take care of the customer to be easy to do business with. Um, and that becomes, uh, it just is different, right? Like there's a lot of changes in the market, um, how people buy products, especially like the pandemic. Like I think had a lot more people buying products online. And so, you know, adapting to that and making sure like we have good data, like all of the things that like go with that as well. Like we've really had to um, adapt. When you're 76, you don't, or 78, I don't know where 76 came from, but, um, you know, you don't move. Sometimes you don't move as quickly. Yeah. That's probably been a big challenge, just integrating new things to a company that's only done a certain, done things a certain way for such a long time. How's that, how has yeah. that been to be able to get steel and stuff like that? Has that been a challenge? I mean, prices have probably gone through the roof and, oh. Yeah, so we saw prices go through the roof um, a lot, like when tariffs hit. So like in during the pandemic, we had major supply issues. It wasn't as much that as uh, when tariffs happened. I believe that was like a couple of years before um, the pandemic. Um that's when we saw increases. So we buy all American steel. We make everything here in the U.S. Um, and so we were like, that won't affect us. But then supply and demand, right? Like everyone's wanting products here from, uh, right? Like they want to buy the steel here, um, not overseas, um, which then there's more demand here and the increased prices. Um, so we saw a lot of um, price increases we haven't seen that adjust back, but during the pandemic, we saw some increases, like everything increased for us. Um, I don't think we, uh, every vendor we do business with gave us some sort of price increase. So that was pretty challenging, but for steel, it wasn't as much, um, and steel is the, our number one uh, yeah. product. So what, I mean, I know, I mean, I know some of the new Tesla stuff you're doing, but what are your, what are your big what are the big things you guys are known for that everybody? Yes, we're really known for Helper Springs, um, where we started, and then sway bars. So load and sway control is, um, and people like, do you have other products? And it's like, yeah, we don't have, like, we have N-Links, we have some frame effects kits and some other kits um, in there. But like what for Helwig is, while we're not deep in our product line, we're really wide. So we'll do like a, a sway bar for anything like, um, we recently quoted like a three wheel, um, vehicle, hmm. um, but we'll do like a side by side or a golf cart. And then we go all the way up to these military, um, vehicles. Um, we have one, uh, fire truck, like the bars are massive and it takes three spay bars. Um, but you think about like, uh, those vehicles need a lot of sway control, like 
They need to move fast. It's a fire truck, right? Um, it's an airport fire truck. So they need to move super fast and they have to carry a lot of water with them. So they need extra sway control. So we have our aftermarket brand. So we have Hellwig products there, but then we also like sell into these OE spaces. So original equipment. So as they're building the vehicle, our equipment gets included in on it. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Jesse. I was just going to say, um, uh, looking back, since you've gone on quite a journey from cold calling all the way to CEO, <laughs> what would you tell? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you probably learned a lot of lessons. What would you tell your younger self just starting out in the industry? Um, I think just be willing to learn, right? Like, um, I, one of the biggest things that I, in this industry in particular is that people want to help you. Um, they absolutely like, and it, it just, it's still, um, gives me chills, right. To think about like, just how helpful this community is. So I remember, um, like having a question and not knowing an answer to it. And it wasn't like the answer wasn't within my organization either. And I remember like picking up the phone call and being like nervous as all get out. Like, I can't believe I'm calling this person to ask them. And they were like, oh, easy peasy. Hey, you do this and it's this. And do you want me to spend, send you that spreadsheet to make your life easier? So it was just like those sorts of things that started to teach me that I could rely on. If I didn't have the answer myself, like be willing to ask the question and people will like not just like uh, step up, like absolutely step up and are so helpful here. Um, so just uh, don't pretend like I knew, like don't pretend you know anything. That's what I would tell myself, <laughs> my younger self, like just ask questions. <laughs> of it is true in our industry that, you know, if you if you act like you know it all, and actually, I mean, it's a big turnoff in the industry. People are like, come on, we know you don't know everything. And but the more you're like, yeah, I don't know anything. People are so willing to help you out. And if you come in with yeah. that little bit of a humble attitude and say, yeah, I've got a good thing coming here, but I don't really know what's going on. Everybody's willing to help you out. And then all of a sudden they find out, oh, yeah, you do know a little something. Then you're like, yeah, I guess I could help you with this. I mean, I didn't think I knew that, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it seems like whoever set that trend years and years and years ago, it's kind of mm -hmm. created that kind of industry, um, identity and it's just kind of stuck. I, I do. You, what do you think, Melanie? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is absolutely a part of like our, our DNA as an industry, uh, that we want to, we want people to be successful, right? Like even like. I think what we do, Josh, when we like volunteer, right? We're volunteering sometimes next to our competition. Yeah. And it's, it, but our competition, I think this is one of the biggest things that we learned in the pandemic. And this is not, uh, someone else highlighted this for me, but, um, that our, our competition is not like the, the competition in our space, right? Our competition is, uh, eating out, uh, movies, um, going to concerts, right? Like that's what we saw in the pandemic is there was a huge drive to people working on their cars once that wasn't available. And so like, I think that was like a really good, um, kind of test or takeaway that we could, um, move forward with, right? Like we, our competition being successful rises a tide and us being successful rises a tide, right? So it's like a rising tide floats all boat. Um, and that's, uh, but if we're not like helping each other, we're not going to all be successful. So I think that was like the magic, um, if we had some magic that happened during the pandemic, right? 
Yeah. Do, do you guys, so you mentioned you guys uh, have customers that on the OEM side, and then you also have your aftermarket mm-hmm. side, which one's bigger, which or are they the same? And what is the, di- what is the difference between those two types of markets for you guys? Yeah. So I think um, for the, um, for the aftermarket side, um, it's bigger for us. Um, and, um, but it's a pretty healthy, like we also do private labels. So, um, you know, like, I always, I'll buy toilet paper. Um, uh, I think I'm thinking of the pandemic and how you couldn't, right? Um, but like, if you go by like to Target, Target has their own brand. Target doesn't make toilet paper. So um, I often am like, okay, I'll buy that because it's probably like Charmin or someone that's buy, that's making it. So there's often times where someone's like, oh, I bought this sway bar. And it's like, oh yeah, like I made it. Like the people don't, barely know that right there's very few people that make way bars um and we're one of them so there's we do have a white label program and then we have the oe part of our business um and that um thinking about those two separate ones we do have that and the aftermarket site is really fun because you get to create the demand for it and the oe we're responding to demand yeah so um but that I think that's like the overarching difference between the two. That's great. Right, so far, she's nailing all the questions, Jesse. Yeah, so we got to step up the game here. <laughs> all right. So, uh, what about? So, tell us. Let's talk about SEMA for a minute. Um, first of all, I was telling Jesse earlier your comp, your company that your great grandfather started was one of the very first vendors, manufacturers at the very first SEMA show. Dodger Stadium. What year was that? 63? Yeah, I think that sounds right. 1963. So, I mean, how yeah. many how many other companies can say that that are still in business? Not a lot. Yeah, I mean, like there are very few. So um there's and I and I can share it with you. There's like this, I thought I had it right next to me and I could pull it up, but um there's this ad for um for the first SEMA show. And it has like the different companies. Um, and they are, um, they're wearing, uh, it's like a baseball field and it's, everyone's wearing their, like their Jersey. Um, and like, there's a, a dude, a Hellwick dude on home base. Um, but he's got the Hellwick Jersey, but you can see like Holly, Edelbrock. There's some like pretty big, um, companies there too. So they all have like, um, but it's fun to like, look at that ad and think like, who's still who's still around, right? Um, and there still are, like, you can look at it and there still are a good amount, but there are some that aren't there anymore either. So, yeah. Or they've all merged or something like that. Well, Or yeah. whatever. That's not the that's not the fun part about it, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're leading a team now, right? And uh, you've seen different parts of the business. I love when I hear a story about somebody that was family owned and kind of grew up in it and then worked their way through all of the different jobs. You probably even had to be janitor sometimes, right? <laughs> so you've done a little bit of everything. And then now as CEO, uh, what, how, how many employees do you guys have? And what, what's your, you know, what kind of team do you have? I'm curious to hear about it. Yeah, so we have 50 um, employees right now. Um, and I I often like to think of us as like a team, right? So, um, and uh, I'm not, I have not been into football, but I'm like getting into it because my kid's in it. And like, and then realizing it's a much more dynamic sport than um, 
then it will. Uh, I first thought it was just a bunch of dudes out there like hitting each other. So, um, but it's much more strategic, right? Um, so I, I've been telling my team uh, that I feel like we're more like a football team here, right? So like we got like offense and defense and everyone's got their position. And if someone's not blocking or tackling, right, then it affects someone else on the team. So we talk about that often here. Um, but yeah, so we have, um, and I have a, an executive team. Um, I have a management team. I have um, people here. Um, I think the thing that's kind of fascinating for some is like, I have team members here that have worked for my grandpa, right? So like not anyone here has worked for my great grandfather, but my grandpa. So like they've worked for three generations and we're very different. Um, and I think part of it is also like I, when I first came into this position, I tried to be more like them. I'm definitely, I'm not like them. <laughs> you know, there's a, a big difference. Um, and I, I've learned my own uh, style of um, um, leadership, um, management. And then I've also like really learned to lean on um, the knowledge here and the history that we have. Was that so, difficult for a little um, while? Kind of was it difficult at first with some of those, the the people that have been there for a long time to earn their respect since they knew so much and they've been around forever with your grandpa or was it easy? Or did they, did they welcome you with open arms or how did, how did that go? Yeah. So I think that's a great question, right? Like there's a part that like, okay, it's going to stay family owned. So that's one aspect of it. That's positive. Um, but I did absolutely have to earn their respect. Um, and I still like have that pressure, um, to continue to earn the respect, right? Like, because, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I think it's something good, like that. I feel that like constant drive. Um, I want them to be like proud to be a part of Hell League. I want them to be proud, um, to come to work every day and like do what we're doing, um, it's not easy work, like bending metal. Um, it is like really hard, hot, like we heat, treat hot forms. So we have furnaces, like, um, and we couldn't do it. Like none of this could happen if we weren't doing it all together. Um, and so I've really learned to like lean on more and more over, um, uh, over the time, but it definitely like at first did not, um, uh, you know, I'm some, uh, gal, like I really have tried to like do every position um, at some point, right? Like I box stuff, but no one lets me, um, no one wants to be my partner in the um, hot farming yeah, area. You're not so getting near a furnace. <laughs> you know. yeah. I'm a little accident prone. So they're like, yeah, we're all good. Yep. Here. Uh, our CEO just got burned up. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do undercover <laughs> boss. Okay. Don't do undercover boss. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're not going to. So, pull um, no, no, no. They don't. Yeah. They're like, nope. <laughs> All right. So let's talk SEMA. We're talking to the chair elect. Tell us what that means for the board. Yeah. So um, I'm chair elect of the SEMA board of directors. So in, um, in, a, in two Julys, <laughs> I will um, take the chair position. So I'll be the chair of the board of directors. Wow. That's big time, Jesse. That's big time. That's quite an honor. Very pleasure. You get the high end room at all the retreats. Let me just tell you. No. And unlimited drinks. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> what, I'm trying to think, what was the last 
uh, lady that was a chair? Uh, so one before, um, and it was Charlie Van Cleve. Wow. And so that's quite an accomplishment. I'm surprised there hasn't been so many more. There's so many great women in our industry. But There really are. I know. And, and and why did you want to do it? What would what would get it? Why would you want to go go for this and take on this responsibility? Yeah, yeah. So that's why that's a great question. The pay sucks. Said, do, you need, do you need a um? The pay really sucks. Um, uh, do you need a second job? Um, but I have uh, I have a fourteen year old. Um, I think I I see like that we're under a lot of pressure as an industry. And I think if we're not making the right moves um, and being assertive or aggressive uh, in that space um, to protect our rights to modify vehicles, then we, we're we not going to have um, be able to do that, right, if we're being more complacent. And I'm incredibly passionate about, like, right, I'm fourth generation. I would not have this opportunity unless, like, SEMA came together. That's how SEMA came together, right? They were... They came together to ban against, I forget the actual, like, what was um, the the government, like, what they felt wasn't a government overreach at the time, but they got together. Um, and yes, they created a show, but they really, like, came together to be able to, like, um, protect their businesses. And so I see that as a major benefit for me. Um, and Helwig is continuing to protect us, like. We're only stronger if we are working together, right? Me as Hellwig over here, 50 employees is not near um, as strong as, you know, we're looking at like, we're like in the billions of what we impact in this, um, in the United States. Um, and so there's a, a lot that I want to see us be able to protect. Um, and that's why I signed up for the second job. <laughs> yeah, it is a second job. Because, I mean, you've done, You've been on SBN, right? Were you, were you select? So I was, um, okay. I was never on their Tora. select committee. So I did, um, tour up, okay. um, the truck and off-road, um, when it was actually the light truck accessory Alliance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did that for, um, several years and then I was the chair of that council. Um, and then after that, I went to Emerging trends and technology. Gotcha. Um, and Ian would love that. for us to, uh, Say, uh, now who was the chair of ETTN? Uh, Ian, yeah, well, he and yeah, and he, I think he beat you out by one vote. And let's yeah. just say, let's just say, if they would have done a recount, there's no way Ian would have won. So I don't know how you lost. That's okay, worked out perfectly. He did, Ian was the right uh person for that time for sure. So, um, I'm you know, looking back, I'm like, oh, I'm very glad he was, and uh, he got that position. Yeah. So, so which which great. Yeah. You were in for the board, so you did three years, and then mm -hmm. were you in your fourth or fifth year when you decided to go for the chair? I was. I so I did three years, got reelected, yep. and I had another three year term. Oh, you did, but decided six. one year in that I would go oh, for okay, this. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you've done four yeah. years on the board. Now you're doing. Now you're in your first year of chair elect. Now you're going to do another year yes. chair, like, and then two years as chair, and then two more years as IPC. By that time, you'll have a vote, by the way. So, yeah. wow, that's a lot of, I mean, you're probably going to have well over 20, what, three, four years of volunteering. Yeah, I mean, I'm 20 years in right now, right, into my, in 19 years, I've been volunteering, so. it's amazing. What What would you say to people that, 
if they ask, well, why are you doing it? What's it? I mean, besides all of what you just mentioned there, but what personal benefit for you besides the future generations, what personal benefit have you seen out of it? I mean, I'm, I'm connected to you. I could pick <laughs> up the phone. I know, right? Like I have picked up the phone. I've been like, hey, can you answer this question for me? Like, it doesn't make sense, right? Like, I think that's the big thing that I... I mentioned earlier too is like having a network to rely on um and like honestly sometimes like gut check like hey is this right like uh, is this also what you're seeing um it's been really positive so yeah growing my network yeah it's huge it's because it becomes a big family friends and family and everything like yeah. that go ahead jesse sorry i was just gonna say um you know back to hellwig i'm, I'm fascinated with your business really kind of interesting and i want to know more about you know, how do you deal with customers and how do you, uh, you got to deal with uh, restylers sometimes, right? They're really tough, I hear. And um, I, I'm yeah. wondering, how do you deal with tough situations with them? And sure, I'm sure you've seen some some challenging customers or people like Josh, maybe, or something like that, right? <laughs> no, yeah, comment. So, um, no comment. No comment. Yeah. So is it no comment? Is that what I'm supposed no, to say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that's, um, right. If you're, we've always had this, like, um, do the right thing for the customer and it's been always a motto. Um, and we have a lifetime warranty. We can have that on our products because we are, we manufacture, um, in the way that we manufacture it's steel, it's super heavy duty, um, heat treated hot form. So it's like, it's meant to last a lifetime for sure. So, um, so we have that lifetime warranty. Um, so it makes it really easy, right? If there's an issue with um, something, we uh, take care of them. And um, yeah, there are times where it's been like, wait, is that all announced? <laughs> but um, the the lifetime warranty, you know, like that, uh, it isn't like, well, only if you're smart, right? It's, uh, there are some caveats in it. Um, but, and so it's all on steel products. But I think that makes it really easy. Um, and my team also here knows like we we love our customers we take care of them we go the extra mile for them um because um i i think that's when you have like so many years of success and you know that your success came from like having a partnership not from you know you're just awesome and that's right it's like we couldn't do what we do without having like a good partnership with our customers we always are taking that approach that's great it, you mentioned partnerships do you have uh, examples or any stories about a partnership or collaboration that's made a big difference for for your business or uh or the industry yeah i mean there's that on some of the things that we do we get to often um like test products and work with other companies um, that in that space. And I, I think I'm probably like covered by an NDA, so I can't like talk too much about that. But, um, but it's really fun to like come and like collaborate with other um, other companies and what they're doing. We work with a lot with like um, project vehicles too, um, people that are building vehicles to like take to SEMA, really like that are pushing the edge of um of aftermarket modifications. And I think that's where it's like really fun to um, to to be in partnership and like work on those sort of projects with them so that we also like get to see what that that edge looks like, right? And I think that's where um, you really learn when you're like playing um, in those spaces. 
Where where do you think the future is going for Hellwig? Yeah, I mean, uh, luckily, like we can make products for Tesla, right? Like, so anything, any vehicle, like you can, we can still modify it with suspension. Um, but really, in the tow and haul space, like there are so many products um, or needs for Hellwig in that space. So I think there's a lot of opportunity that exists right now um, and continues to exist. And then, you know, as vehicles change, um, we get to change with that as well. So um, I remember my grandpa talking about like when passenger cars, the the leaf springs went to coil springs and he was like, ah, oh, I'm going to be at, like, I don't know what I'm going to be able to put my products on. Um, he, you know, then trucks came out and that became like our bread and butter. So like, there's always these opportunities. So not looking at the market and like, as it shifts, like going, oh my God, like, it's also like, okay, what's the opportunity in it? And like finding that opportunity for us to meet a customer um, issue, right? Like we're solving problems here. Like if a vehicle sags, we get to bring it up to level load height. If it's weighing, we get to like solve that. And so it's just looking at like what vehicles um, are hitting the the road and what hell we can do to like help with those modifications. And and I just figured, I just realized I owe you a huge apology. This is this is correct. And I'm going to put this on record. You know, you're actually fourth generation. You're not third generation. So yeah. I mean, I need to apologize to your dad. Your dad saved the company from your grandpa. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. your dad is the one that actually saved the company. Now, the only problem with that is, you know what happens to fourth generation. So I need to talk to your son. Can you, is he there? Yeah. Can I get him on? I need to, we need to talk because he needs to get involved. Quickly. I know. Yeah. Quickly. Yeah, quickly. Because she's spending so yeah. much time volunteering. You're probably 30 hours a week with SEMA and 10 hours a week at Hellwig. I know how those emails <laughs> roll. So. Yeah. Um, I wish it was um, 40 hours was all that was going on. Oh, yeah, into, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry. 50 hours at SEMA and 50 hours at Hellwig. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm like, I'm like, a little bit more accurate to the time, yeah. right? But, uh -huh. um, yeah. No, Hellwig is good and we're healthy. And, um, and oh, I don't know. My kid, uh, I mean, he's 14. So we'll see. But he's yeah. like, Mom, I don't, I want to be an entrepreneur. But he wants like, his thing is right now, he's like, I want to do it myself. Like, I don't want to like come in and take something that's been there. I want to like start something myself. So we'll see what that means. Listen, for those him. furnaces can make rocket parts too. So yep. you, you got the, you got the structure, do whatever. So, you know, no worries. We there. do. Yeah. What, yep. what about, what do you see? Um, so, I mean, I know you're really big on government overreach. I mean, you live in California, so you're dealing with, you know, very well, the carb issues that's facing the industry. You know, I know you were very active with all those things. So she's got all this going on over there. Um, and then all of a sudden she's like SEMA cares. So I, I, I feel like you're almost like, um, it's like you're making cupcakes over here and then over here you're cooking steak too. So, I mean, you're doing, yeah. you're killing it on both ends. Well, what, what do you think, um, as far as let's talk first about the government overreach where where do we stand right now with um you know all the different ideas and laws and dangers and how do you think SEMA's really taken the initiative obviously we're doing great and you know with the the attorneys and such like that but I'll let you speak to it yeah so i think we're in a really good spot um as a member looking at it i'm 
feeling really positive about what we're doing. Um, and I think there's always more that we could be doing. So um, in uh, in May, there's like a SEMA DC rally. So they'll organize like where members can come and like talk to different congressmen, uh, uh, senators, um, and letting really like be able to talk about like what we're doing and what we bring to the industry, right? I think the bigger, one of the biggest things that SEMA did recently was show like our impact, um, our economic impact, right? Like we, it's not just like us as companies and what like people buying our product, but like what happens, right? The ripple effect of like, I'm having 50 employees and what that brings to an economic um, area, right? Like how, how that like then like um, filters out. So I think there's like really good things happening on that end um, that will help um, give attention um, in Washington, D.C. But last week I was at King of the Hammers. I love going there. I love seeing like the amount of like, I mean, all all those people are my people, right? Like they're all uh, towing and um, need our products. Um, and I look... I'm there and I'm thinking like, we all want to like continue to do this, right? So what does that mean? Like we need like education, like um, Matt um, from, shoot. Um, but they do the like the cleanup. Um, oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they, where you mean the trail cleanup? Yes. Yeah. So like he was there, um, there's a name, sorry, I'm, uh, but the, it's like a, a, he has an organization that comes in and like make sure like we clean up after we're in certain areas, right? So I think it's like education on how to do it responsibly mm -hmm. um, and then protecting the right to do it as well. Like it's not just like one thing. We don't just have the right to do it and like there's no responsibility. We also have responsibility with it. And so doing like both sides of that. Going four-wheeling and then leaving it better than when you got there. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I mean, which is not really the way it was in the past. So it's taken a big initiative no. to really do yeah. that. So, all right. So I think I'm going to get her on this one, Jesse. <laughs> what? So in that economic impact study, which I'm sure you've memorized by now, but what in, name an industry that we're actually larger in economic than that than in that industry. I think I got her on recording here. I know, know, I think you do. Um, I do know that we're not as large as the beer industry. So um, Correct. that's the one that I do know. Despite um, Bud Light. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So, uh, so we would be bigger if you guys all, if we could all just stop drinking beer for a little bit. <laughs> Everybody stop drinking and then uh, the uh, our industry will be bigger than theirs. We are larger than Hollywood. As wow. a whole, wow, uh, that the movie industry, and we are larger than the airline industry. Wow, yeah. but we are not as large as the beer industry because yes. this country is full of alcoholics. <laughs> so, yes, and, and we don't. Maybe our industry. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure when if you were we all just stop drinking, we might make the impact. <laughs> I'm sure at King of the Hammers last week, you weren't picking up any uh, any DVDs rolling around or after the trail or anything like that. It no. was all, it could possibly have been some alcoholic uh, bottles or cans. So there you go. Our yes. industry goes huh. hand in hand with theirs. So we actually help their yes. industry. So yeah. it's probably the reason why that industry is so big. <laughs> yeah, because our yes. industry is so I big. Think, yes. 
Yeah. As we grow, their numbers grow as well. <laughs> yeah, like we should take credit for that. Yeah. Well, you also, let's talk just a minute, because I mentioned it. Let's talk about, you know, you you volunteered so long for SEMA Cares, and I know other people are doing really well about that too. What are, talk about that and also some of the other things that SEMA does to really give back to people besides just protecting the industry. Yeah, so SEMA um, Cares uh, is for three different charities. So Victory Junction Game Camp, um, Child Help, and then Austin Hatcher Foundation. So it's like three uh, different um, uh, children's charities. And the cool thing is, you know, like, well, SEMA Cures is completely like volunteer led. Um, we do a lot of like fundraising activities that are really fun. Um, but I think the the other part that we do for those charities, as well as like the giving awareness to them. Um, and I, I forgot that in my volunteer um, journey, I, had, I was chair of SEMA Cares. And that was really fun. Like, oh, I was able to, like, uh, you know, take my kiddo to Victory Junction Game Camp. That's, like, this camp for kids that uh, have, like, disabilities. And so, like, each week they have, like, um, we, the week that we were there was, like, Diabetes Week. And so they have nurses specifically for that, um, uh, those needs. And so it allows, like, kids the opportunity to, like, go to camp and be normal, like, that week. Um, and so. That has been really fun to see, like, those parts of um, SEMA that give back. Um, but there's, like, there's so many areas that SEMA gives back to. And, like, scholarship, um, really, like, getting more kids involved. Um, yeah, it's been super fun. And I think, like, the fun part of it, too, is, like, a lot of it that we do is, like, volunteer-led. So it's not, uh, it's not, like, SEMA as the organization. It's really, like, the volunteers, like, directing been really fun to see so hear me out on this idea let me just throw this idea at you because you're going to be the chair so you could write an executive order for anything all right <laughs> and i know you usually don't well, okay i'll let's pretend that for a little bit yeah, sure. <laughs> I, oh, no listen come on i know how things work so um let's i'm going to start an organization but i don't want i don't want you to get upset about it it's called sema don't cares <laughs> so what sema don't cares is because you have SEMA Cares that does such a fantastic job. However, what if we could still give to the same people like the Austin Hatcher Foundation and all things like that, but the people that sometimes get upset at SEMA, that'll be my, you know, the, I'll, I'll still grab their money. I'll be like, yeah, well, SEMA Cares over there. Why don't you donate over here to SEMA Don't Cares? Because sometimes <laughs> people are like, oh, this organization is too big. I don't, you know, and, and they get, you know, whatever, a little upset. All right, well, donate over here to SEMA Don't Cares. But the money will still go to the same place. What do you think? Well, like, we could try it. I already have a logo and everything. I'll send it to you. I've met you, too. Yeah. yeah. And I don't have to share it, but, you know, I'm willing to put in the time. Obviously. Yeah, I'm willing to put in the yeah. time. Yeah. So, SEMA don't cares coming to you 2025 when, when Melanie becomes chair. Cares. Awesome. So, M Melanie, what are you most looking forward to doing now and what most excites you about your business? Yeah, so this um, 2024, so I'm doing a lot of traveling um, and seeing customers. I'm doing like, I um, haven't had the opportunity um, over the last few years to like do a lot of like customer shows and things. And I am like signed up for all of them right now. 
And I'm actually really excited. I love like talking to people who use our products, who, um, who can give me feedback too. Of, like, hey, if you change this one thing, this would really help me. Like, so I've been doing a lot more like traveling, um, educating and things like that. Um, so I've been really having fun, like diving into back into kind of my roots, right, of where I started with public. Um, but it's also making me better here because I'm hearing, I'm like listening out, like what do we need to be doing and what do we need to be adjusting? Um, and I'm hearing it directly and I can take that directly in for, into my team and production and um, making the changes here. So I think that's one of the the most fun things I'm looking forward to in 2024 um, is really like getting out and um, talking to customers and getting feedback. So um, yeah. I think you, need to, you need to have a competition at your company. Everybody go out and do one cold call and see what happens. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, right? Including you. You have to go cold call on just some aimless thing. Oh, my gosh. How how scary would that be? Because if everybody just does one, that's 50 uh, new uh, cold call accounts. So I know. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, take 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 the uh, take the stuff we all hate and just spread it across the board. <laughs> and just spread that's it. Yeah. But I think some people will be like, I'm fine. I'll sit in front of a furnace all day long. Yeah, you know what? Those guys, the <laughs> furnace, furnace, furnace guys get a pass. The furnace guys get a yeah, pass, yeah, yeah. no doubt. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Well, I mean, it's it's awesome to see what you're doing with the business. And, you know, thank you so much for all your volunteer work. I mean, you are you truly are one of the nicest people in the industry. Even to, Even when I try to make you mad or I try to ask you awkward questions or anything like that, she's always so professional. So nice. It almost like some people have even said, I think, is she fake? I'm like, no, it's actually real. She's really nice all the time. So, uh, you know, you really are the sweetheart of the industry, but I'm so excited because, you know, you have so much knowledge and um, willingness and, it, you know, desire to get the industry, make sure it's going in the right direction. And so we have three great years of you chair elect and then two years as chair that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, thank you. I love volunteering. Like, it's been so fun to do that with you, right? Like, that's, uh, it's easy to be friendly when you're working with, yeah. Well, when you're people. not getting paid, it's easier to be friendly, too. <laughs> Let's be honest. You know, when, when you're doing this stuff for free, it's like, ah, what, do you, what, am I, what are they going to do, fire me? Which has almost happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I've pushed plenty of buttons, too. So, um, yeah. I, but that happens, right, when you're um, you're playing at the edges, like, to, in order to like make change and do those things, you kind of have to like push some buttons. And while I am friendly, I'll do it with a smile, but like we're gonna push a button, right? Like we're gonna push a boundary. Sometimes. And that's where and that's where I mess up. I I I don't smile. I don't have the good smile like you, you don't do. smile when you do it. Yeah. Oh, just smile when you do it. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna see. I'm learning stuff. I'm learning stuff every day. Uh, well, I'm you know. So Jesse has one final question for you. However, you know. I'm never so even on the podcast, I didn't ask you my famous question, but I'm not going to, you know, but Okay, okay. Does the podcast do people know what your famous question is? No. No. You can tell the story if you want. I mean, do you have any embarrassing stories about me? I'm an open book. You know that. Do, what's what's like I know what's, that. An, what's an embarrassing story about me? I don't buy no, being No, because then you're it's like a you enjoy those embarrassing stories because you don't really get embarrassed. It's like true. other people get embarrassed. It's like you love it more. So I don't think I want to tell that story. That's true. <laughs> just, it's yeah. just, 
It would just feed oh. the beast. It would just yeah. feed it. Yeah, don't feed the beast. <laughs> it would just like, yeah, he would like, you. we would see you giggle and like, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have somebody on, but we'll have to like shadow their face, change their voice, and they'll yes. tell the story yes. then because they're embarrassed yeah, about totally. it. Yeah, totally. That would put be them in the witness, witness protection <laughs> program after that. Well, one time, yeah. so I will tell one funny story, Jesse, for your final question. So uh, I don't know. I, listen, I don't know if this is confidential. We were on a task force together, right, to decide on who was going to be nominated to run for the board. And so Mel and I, Melanie and I were um, asked to interview somebody. And, to, and it was on it was on Zoom. It was during COVID. So we had to do a one on one interview with this person. We're asking really, you know, good questions about the industry. What would you do here? What would you do? Because this person could potentially could be on the board of directors. And we're and we actually have some say on whether they should be allowed to go forward or not. So they're doing an interview and they take it so serious. <laughs> so was it at the end or the beginning? I think it was at the end. Yeah, I think it was at the very end. And I was like, no, nope, don't do it. <laughs> And we were like, we were straight. We did not smile. We were like hard questions the whole time. And and I could tell him like, Josh, I just couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. I'm just taking my head and he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm like, oh, oh. So then I asked this person a very embarrassing question, you know, personal question. And they're just like, and Melanie stops it. She's like, you don't have to answer that. You don't have to answer that. That was not on the sheet. <laughs> so I, <laughs> fortunately, the person was, was a great jokester he, himself, so it was fine. He but he handled it very he handled well. It. Yeah, he handled it. But I was yeah. barred from ever asking that question uh, <laughs> again for poor nominees. So, so now it's yeah. only one on one. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Melanie. Uh, In person, if not recorded. Melanie, if, if, if anybody has questions for you about Hellwig or about SEMA, uh, how do they get a hold of you? And, and what's, what are some good websites to go to? What, where would you direct people? Yeah, so hellwigproducts.com for um, all Hellwig uh, questions on um, Facebook, where uh, Hellwig Products there, Instagram, Hellwig Products. Um, LinkedIn, we have a, a Hellwig Products. And then I'm on LinkedIn um, at Melanie Hellwig White. Awesome. What about your podcast? What's the name of that? When my podcast, I uh, Hellwig's podcast is Hitched in Holland with Hellwig. Hitched in Holland. Awesome. Hitched in Holland with Hellwig. Love it. Good name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So check it out. Absolutely. And Josh, we'll have to have you on. Maybe on my podcast, I'll let you ask that question. Ooh. Probably not. Oh, yeah. Probably no, not. No, I'll probably be like. Yeah. I want to bring no. each of your employees <laughs> in one at a time. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> not something I don't want to know. <laughs> it's true. Very true. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again for having it. Keep up the awesome work. Be it. Thanks for being on with us. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. And there you have it. Another high octane episode of the ride and style podcast revved up and ready to go. Your hosts, Jesse Stoddard and Josh Polson shifted your automotive game into overdrive. If you're hungry for more insights, trends, and game-changing interviews from the automotive restyling universe, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a glowing review. We'd also love for you to share this podcast with your gearheads, installers, and auto lovers network. Because remember, knowledge is power, but shared knowledge turbocharges the whole industry. For more expert resources to supercharge your business, cruise on over to autostylemarketing.com, your one-stop shop for everything automotive marketing. 
Until next time, keep those wheels spinning and your passion ignited. Thank you for riding in style with us. See you on the next lap.